we'll be sharing from the NIV translation, uh, Luke chapter 4 and the first 13 verses. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can do with it anything I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, It is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. May God add a blessing to the reading of his holy word. So here's a great story about Jesus confronting the devil. We don't talk about the devil much here at First Baptist being, you know, bleeding heart liberal church that we are. But, uh, boy, you got to have a good bad guy once in a while. And this one's, uh, this one's got it in spades, right? The devil coming up to tempt Jesus. And this is, this is the first Sunday in Lent. And this story is often, uh, is, is pretty much always the first story. Because Lent really reenacts this fast that Jesus partakes uh, for himself. Uh, Jesus comes to this time of fasting right on the heels of, of his baptism he run uh, luke tells us that he was led by the spirit out into the desert and this was this was a common uh, practice among more ascetic worshipers who uh, who who went through these rituals of preparation before they did something big and for jesus that was this was the beginning of his ministry in the world and so he goes out into the desert for 40 days and that's what lent reenacts for us that's why people sometimes give things up right for lent in the same way that jesus gave up food uh for 40 days some of us give up things like uh you know exercise like me for example i'm giving that up for lent or uh or if you're the pope you give up the whole magilla <laughs> and uh move on from there but uh Jesus goes without food for a little while and um, uh, for 40 days, and the 40 days of Lent reenacts that. I should point out, uh, technically, uh, Lent is, is 47 days, and that's because Sunday doesn't count. So if you are giving something up, if you're, if you're following Lenten tradition, uh, Sunday is a free day. You can, you can go back to exercising if you want or whatever it is you're, <laughs> you're doing. 
But uh, it's an exercise in discipline and it is reenacting the preparation that Jesus does to prepare himself for his ministry that ultimately leads him to Jerusalem, to his death on a cross, and to his resurrection on Easter Sunday. And for us, Lent is a time of preparation as well. It's a time of examining ourselves. It's a time of allowing God's Holy Spirit to uh, shape us and prepare us and point us towards our best selves as we prepare to celebrate Easter morning. Uh, my wife really likes Lent because it's, it's a time when she's allowed to be kind of down and sorrowful and depressed, right? And so, <laughs> you know, you get permission to kind of be in a more minor key, as it were, as you, uh, as you prepare yourself for the great celebration of Easter. And I think that is a bit of a gift to be, I, I'm not depressed, but to be self-reflective, to be contemplative, to really allow the Spirit to be searching your heart and revealing new things to you about yourself. And so in that spirit, we approach Lent this morning and we come to Jesus' uh, confrontation with the devil out in the desert uh, like I said, he'd just, been, um, he'd just been baptized, and he is taken out there to be tested, to be uh, you know, put through the paces, as it were. And the devil comes to tempt Christ with the lure of food when he is hungry, of power, and then a dramatic show of God's power so that there would be no doubt of, of who Jesus is and how Jesus goes about doing things. So the devil knows his job in this sense. He's the master when it comes to this temptation stuff, isn't he? He is the master, and he knows just where to hit Jesus. Oh, Jesus, are you hungry? Well, that's easy enough. Just make some bread. Just make some bread. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, you're going to do it in a few days. You're going to make you know, enough to feed 5,000 people. Why not do it here for yourself uh, right here and allow yourself to be hungry? But of course, Jesus is having none of that. Oh, a lot of people are hungry, says Jesus. And that's why I have come. And the bread I bring will satisfy forever because man does not live by bread alone, says Deuteronomy 8.3. Oh, well, that's okay. Hey, Jesus, God sent you to save the world and to show them the way to God, but then He's making you do it as a carpenter from Nazareth? No one's going to listen to a carpenter from Nazareth. Wouldn't it be easier? Wouldn't it be better if you were the ruler of the world? Then people would listen to what you had to say about who God is and how God works. Oh, Jesus says, no, 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 no. Only God rules the world. And only God is worthy to be worshipped, not me. Deuteronomy 6.13 Okay, says the devil. Listen, you're, sh you're sure that God is with you? Because this all sounds a little strange to me. Are you sure God has empowered you to bring this message? Are you sure God is with you at all? Maybe God has left you here. You've been out here 40 days doing nothing, eating nothing. Maybe God has just... Maybe you're just hearing voices. You know, maybe you're a little nuts. Maybe you're a little crazy. Are you sure you are the anointed one? Are you sure you have come to save the world? Let's make sure about that before you go out there and start making a fool of yourself telling everybody all this stuff. Let's make sure God is faithful in God's promises to you. Let, just jump off this, this temple. 
And if God is with you, His angels will come and gird you up and lift you up. But Jesus says, look, I don't need a test. I know God is with me. I have faith that need not be tested. Deuteronomy says, 6.16 says, do not tempt the Lord. Do not test the Lord. And so the devil leaves. Jesus passes the test. And we're here as a result. Amen. Amen. Thank you. My goodness. You know, I think anyone can really relate to these temptations that Jesus had to face. You know, food when you're hungry. And, you know, anything when you're hungry for something. Right? When you're longing for something. When you really want something. We all can relate to that urge, that desire, that longing. And you know what? Uh, the world we live in is so great at tapping into that. I, I swear, if, if, if there is a devil, he works for the marketing companies who, uh, who make commercials for my children. Right? Because they tap into a part of them that uh, you know, I can only imagine they get right to the heart of it and pretty soon my kids are going to die if they don't get something. I'm going to die. I'm going to literally die if I don't get this thing, that, that thing. They know how to tempt you when you're hungry for something, whatever that hunger is, whatever that something is. To have power, right? To be in charge, to have the power to make things better, to have the money, to have all of that stuff. I've often thought, you know, I'm, I, I know I'll never be rich because I don't think I'd be very good at it, but I'd just love to try you know, I'd love to be, you know, I'd love to just try it out. Because I think if I were, you know, Lord, if I were rich, I'd be very generous. I'd be, you know, there'd be so many things I'd be able to do, right? To have the, to have the kind of power where you don't have to actually work for it, right? Where it's just given to you and you can really make things happen instead of having to persuade people. You can just pay people for to do things, right? It's that kind of, and this last one, this, this testing, testing if God is really there, that's about, just having it all signed out for you, just having it all laid out for you. So you don't really have to have faith, right? Don't you wish sometimes Jesus would just pop in and go, look, here's what I mean, <laughs> right? And, and where there would be, so be no doubt, right? Boom, bam, Jesus, hey, let me explain what I'm trying to tell you. But no, it doesn't work that way. We have to have faith. Oh, what a lot of work. We got to have faith where we're kind of going, oh, I think this is what you mean with my life. You know, I, I hope you're leading me this way and we've kind of got to let our, our lives be shaped by faith, right? But certainly if you jumped off a building and the angels lifted you up, you wouldn't need to worry about faith anymore. You'd pretty much be locked in, right? Well, we don't live in that kind of world. And the reality is that... that Temptation is something that's very personalized, isn't it? I mean, what's tempting for you may not be tempting for me, and what's tempting for me may not be tempting for you, but, but somehow the, the, the powers and principalities that try to drag us away from a full and abundant life in Christ, somehow they know exactly how to find that temptation within you. It's all out there. That's the problem. It's all out there. And it's all waiting for us. And we're able to get it. And, you know, the thing about it is that so often what temptation does is it makes promises that, that are a lie. Right? 
That's the, at the heart of what temptation is about is that it makes promises that are ultimately a lie. Right? Have, have money, have fame. You know, look at, look at these poor celebrities that have money and fame and the promise of all of that and how awful their life is and how awful they feel and how they just keep searching and searching and never finding it's because the promise of money and fame was a lie it was a lie for them i feel so sorry i just want to take poor uh what's her name lindsay lohan don't you just i just want to bring lindsay lohan to church that poor girl i just want to get her some help that poor thing i just feel so bad for her she's just She's just running headlong into wall after wall, and it's because she believes the lie that fame and fortune and all of that leads to life, and it really doesn't. Amen? Let's pray for poor Lindsay Lohan, i got to say. But the thing about it is that it, it just drags us away from real life. It drags us away from real fulfillment. It drags us away. And so often what temptation is all about is that that is allowing something else to take the place of that Holy Spirit. Allowing something else to, to do God's job. And it never quite does it as well. Amen? It never quite does it as well. Right? The sex and drugs and rock and roll never satisfies the way a life in Christ ultimately does. I know that, that even sounds a little trite. When I say it, it doesn't sound right, but it's true. We're here to testify to that, amen? That all of that is a temporary fix, that real life is something deeper, more meaningful, meatier, that you may be hungry for a while now, but what Jesus brings is something that satisfies forever and ever. And it, you know, this tem- there's a few things I want to say about what temptation is all about. It usually points to the easy way out, right? Get rich schemes are, are schemes because they tell you you can get rich without working for it. Hooey, I say. In fact, sometimes even when you work for it, you don't get rich, right? <laughs> so, so all of that is just a lie. Temptations always come along when you are weak. When you are most vulnerable, when you are, Jesus was 40 days into fasting. And that's when the devil decided to show up because he knew, oh, Jesus is a little weak. I can hear his tummy rumbling from here. And shows up at that moment when Jesus is most vulnerable. Wouldn't have bothered before 40 days without food. Temptation tries to give us what we think we want, right? This is why, why those commercials are so good at it. It's most effective. You know, it's most effective when we don't know what we want. When we're kind of going, well, I don't know. Well, you know, what is life about? What do, who am I? What am I looking for? What am I going to do? And uh, that's when temptation comes along and says, hey, I know what you could do. Hey, I know what you want. Way over here. Ooh, shiny. Nice. It's going to be great. And as I look at how Jesus was able to resist temptations when they come along, this is, this is, one, of my, this is one of my favorite passages, and I'll tell you why. There's, there's a thing I want to I say about this, is that Jesus didn't do anything miraculous here, right? There's no miracle here. This is just Jesus talking, right? Jesus didn't part water. Jesus didn't feed thousands. Jesus didn't heal anybody. Jesus just sat there and quoted Scripture, right? I love that. 
Because I think, because I can't part water or feed thousands or heal the blind, right? What I can do is learn the scripture and draw on it for strength. So Jesus gives us this great example of how we can face our temptations out how we can face them down jane was talking about that with the kids a little earlier this is empowering it's showing us what we can do and the power is not in in miracles but it's in just just understanding scripture and being able to draw from god's wisdom about how the world really is allow god's wisdom to shape our reality not allow the world to shape our reality because the world is skewing things for us amen you know it you know the truth the world is skewing things and lying to us god is trying to tell us the truth that's what jesus is about says the world will tell you this but the kingdom of god is like this and that's the truth amen jesus uh, uh the other thing i'll say about it is that uh jesus at his weakest moment relies on god's word i just said that and you know often our first instinct when we are weak when we are most vulnerable, is to isolate ourselves away from God. And quite frankly, a lot of you disappear from church when things are going bad. I don't get that. I don't understand that. Because you need to be here, amen? You need to be here in the presence of the Holy Spirit. You need to be here around people who love you. You need to be here in this safe place where you can be nurtured when you're struggling with things, when you're trying to figure it all out, when you're dealing with an addiction, when you're dealing with not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow, when you're dealing with trouble in your relationship. You need to be here where you can be loved by the Holy Spirit, where you can be in the presence of God, where you can be accepted and, and cared for. Amen? Because the world out there is going to lie to you and it's going to get you to do something that you shouldn't be doing. Woo, I'm preaching now. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm getting on a thing. It's the robe. You know, <laughs> I'm getting off on a thing. I'm getting all Baptist. So, <laughs> you know, you need to be here. Not running away and isolating yourselves away. Oh, I break, it breaks my heart when you do that, when some of us do that, right? I understand the temptation because you, you don't want to be where people can see you and know your pain, know you're, you're struggling. Oh, you know what? We love you even when you're struggling. We'll love you even more when you're struggling because you need it. Amen? That's what church is for. I don't, I don't understand it. So uh, Jesus is able to resist. Here's, a, here's the, the pinnacle of what I'm getting at. Jesus was able to resist all of this because he goes into it knowing who he is. Right? Jesus went into it. The biggest factor in Jesus resisting temptation is the security in knowing who he was and why he was there. Right? If Jesus was just kind of going around floundering, going, well, I got baptized. Now what do I do? I'm thinking about things. I'm, I'm trying to decide. Well, here comes, a, you know, here comes the devil with all kinds of ideas about what, who he is and what he should do. Ultimately, temptation is enticing us to behave in ways that are contrary to who we really are. Right? They're, trying to, they're trying to turn you into something you're not. Right? Budweiser, right? I'm never going to be that guy who gets that girl <laughs> right? just because I'm drinking that beer. I'm sorry, I've, you know, I tried it. It didn't work. <laughs> I had to work a lot harder to get that girl than just drink the right beer. I can tell you that right now. 
So, uh, uh, you know, knowing who you are and what you were about, that's what got Jesus through that. When we're lost, when we're lonely, when we're searching, then we're vulnerable. But when we are grounded, when we know where we're going, when we know who we are and whose we are, then we have the strength, we have the courage, we have the grounding to be able to say, this is not me. This is not who I am. This is not what I'm about. I'm about something bigger than this. I'm about something better than this. And those things, those monkeys that get on our back, we just kick them off. We say, you know what, I'm not doing that anymore because that is contrary to who I am. The beginning of knowing who we are is to start even where the devil started. And that's understanding ourselves. Even the devil knew who Jesus was. Jesus, Son of the Most High God, I got some plans for you. And Jesus says, you know what, you're right. I am the Son of the Most High God. And the Son of the Most High God does not behave that way. Does not go there. So, move along. You know what? We have the same thing going on for you and me. We've got the same thing. Curtis! Son of the Most High God. Val, daughter of the Most High God. You know, get the, get the right car. Get the right clothes. Right? Get the right shape. <laughs> you know what? No. Because I know who I am. I'm a son. You are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. And we serve Jesus Christ. The one who showed us the way. Who showed us a better way. Who showed us the kingdom of God. Who showed us that the world we live in now is not the world the way God wanted it. And we have committed ourselves, amen, we have committed ourselves to living out the world the way God intended it. And it begins with knowing who we are and allowing that child of God to be the first identifier right I'm a I'm a cook I like to cook I whack at the guitar a little bit I'm a father I'm a you know I'm all these things but the first thing number one right at the top a child of God amen I invite us all to claim that especially when we're faced with the temptation to go the easy route, to be contrary to who we are, and to explore other ways that take us away from life. Let us pray. Our great and loving God, we see Jesus, Son of the Most High God, and in His weakest moment, He doesn't call on your great power. He calls on the power of your wisdom. He calls on that assurance that you are with Him, that you guide His every step, and that you have called Him to something great. May we embrace the same thing, knowing who we are, and calling on your wisdom to shape that in the face of temptation. We ask all these things in the powerful name of Christ. Amen.